This podcast is a conversation Kickstarter that you do not want to miss out on. Fifteen voices, thousands of choices, and millions of stories have come together to share our insights, knowledge, and collective experiences. Whether you are a high school student, confused about which career to choose, a university fresher or apprentice, unsure about how to build your skill set, or even a recent graduate figuring out your place in this world, this, this podcast, podcast is for you. you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new podcast episode. Today, we've got Alicia and Lucas with us, and I'll let them introduce themselves before I tell you a little bit about myself. So over to you, Lucas. Hi, all. I'm, I'm Lucas. I'm living and born in Germany, and I'm currently doing my master's degree in mechanical engineering and already writing my math thesis. And I'm part of the Fab 15, and actually, this is my first year this year. So I'm really happy to be here, and I'm also really happy to talk about a special topic today. And Alicia. Oh, hi. So same as Lucas. This is also my first year at uh, FAB, FAB 15. And I'm originally, I'm originally came from Indonesia, and I just came to Singapore for my undergraduate studies. So I'm studying material science and engineering, and I'm currently in my final year. Yes, I'm really glad mm-hmm. to be part of this podcast, and... Hope you guys can get some inspirations from us. <laughs> yeah, now I'll pass to him. Awesome, thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so hi, my name's Himanshi. Everyone calls me Himi. I'm actually a veteran at the FAB. This is my third year on the FAB board. And I'm actually from Kenya. I'm a chemical engineer by background, but I actually have my own STEM initiative here. And today, actually, we're going to talk about something that's very close to all of us. And this is a topic that we're very passionate about. We've done a lot of prep to be able to talk about this. And we'll just get into it. So, you know, as young people, we may have already or at some point in our lives felt that the burden of the world is on our shoulders. And the mental health topic or mental health struggles are so common. And yet it's such a taboo topic to talk about so that young people often fail to recognize the signs when they are going through a tough time. So in this episode, we're going to hit the hammer on the head and talk about all things mental health related and well-being related. So join Alicia, Lucas, and I as we share our own experiences and tips to navigate this phase of life. So diving right into it, I would like to know from the two of you, what do you what is your definition of good and bad mental well-being or mental health mean? Uh, Lucas, we can start with you. Yes, um, I think there's also a big difference in between what good and bad mental health is for everybody. For me personally, mental health and the good mental health means that I'm feeling generally well. So like the overall feelings are well for me and I can do whatever I want in my life. So I can really do my tasks, my duties. I don't know. I can, I can have some great food every day I can cook some meals I uh, am able to study I'm able to work so I'm able to perform and live the life I want to live even though there are maybe some times from time to time hard times and that's also in a good mental health state for me that's fine to have some hard times to have a day which is not going well to have maybe even several days in a row where I think, okay, that's that was not good or I'm not feeling well and I'm not feeling great every day. But that's can still, and that's for me still a good mental health if I'm able to see that and if, if I also notice, okay, hey, I have to do something there. And then if I'm also able to do something again, the bad mood or maybe the bad feelings in my life right now, that's, that's for me a good mental health. Um, on the opposite... Bad mental health for me means a little bit that I'm overwhelmed or that the person is overwhelmed, that she's not or the person is not really able to to do what she has to do. Because like, even if we are talking, nobody has to do anything, but there are some stuff you have to do. It's like sleeping, eating, I don't know. That's, that's important for us, uh, maybe even some sports. And if you are not able to plan that and if you're not able to do that, and maybe even are not able to study properly or to work properly and to get your life along, that's for me a state of bad mental health when you are not able to do things that make you feel good or to do things that make you fun. I don't know, going out with friends. If you're not able to do that because you think you are not 
ready for it, you are not feeling right for this, that's for me a kind of a sign that you that this is bad mental health. But as I said, like that's my personal opinion and that's what I noticed for me in person. And I think it's kind of different for everybody, but I'm really interested what uh, Alicia is saying about that. So yeah, uh, Alicia, what do you think good or bad mental health means to you? Oh, okay. So for me, I think personally, people are in a good mental health if let's say that they feel that they're peaceful. Like it doesn't mean that they need to be happy all the time, but as long as they feel like um their life is like peace and there's no a lot of noise in their mind, I think they're actually in a good mental health state and also they can do everything productively. So meanwhile, in the for the bad mental health, I think it will be a sign if let's say that they start when they are actually hanging out with friends. Actually, I'm quite agree with Lucas. So like, for example, like when they are with friends, they usually like keep thinking about other things, and they it's very hard for them to get focused. As well as what I notice is like people will start uh, people shows like a bad mental health, like a sign. When they easily get swayed by emotional, when something interrupting their way, and okay, but for me personally, I think like bad mental health is something really normal. I think it's like it's actually proved that they are humans, and I think it's like really normal. And I think you can actually feel, for me, right? I think I feel bad mental health as like a rain. So like imagine that it can actually comes, and then at one point it will just go away. And depends on where the people are during the rain, will shows that how bad they will caught the rain. So it's actually something that will just come and go away. Yeah, that's what I feel. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great analogy as well. Uh, personally, I do agree with both of you as well. Uh, you know, good mental health is when you're at peace. You're at peace with yourself, with the people around you, and you're in the moment. Like you said, you know, if you're with friends and you're not enjoying that moment, you're worried about other things, the past, the future, whichever then you're not always in the greatest of mental health states and for me in my personal definition of what good mental health be is is very simple is if i wake up in the morning and i have some motivation to get on with my day to look forward to doing the things that i intend to do or to just have some hope that you know we can get through that day then that's good mental health and bad mental health is the complete opposite of that waking up with a sense of no purpose or waking up feeling like you know your existence sort of is of no purpose at all and that's uh, minds a bit drastic compared to what you guys have said but like lucas said you know everyone thinks mental health is very different and the good side or the bad side of it is defined based on your personal experiences and values and so you know it also is based on where you come from different parts of the world and the environment like you said you know where where is it raining how much is it raining and how are you caught in that rain so i'll throw out the next question which is basically what do you perceive as mental health or how is mental health perceived in your part of the world so please do tell us where you are from and how you feel the whole topic around mental health is seen there so i actually came from originally came from indonesia then i start to moving to singapore like 3 years ago and so i could say that how people perceive bad mental health in generals like in asians country is like Actually, this is something like not very usual, and they still view it something, uh, something like quite bad for them. I think so. Like some people might view that people with a bad mental health are someone weak. Okay, actually, I kind of understand why they actually view it that way because, like, so for example, that uh, there are some people where actually face the same things or even worse, but they never feel stressed at all. So that's why that people could actually view the person with a bad mental health as someone weak, and actually I and I feel like I don't really agree with this kind of view because I feel like especially when they feel that someone is weak without knowing what is their previous background or even how is their environment, because I think that um environments previous background everything could actually impact people's behavior and also how they perceive the things that uh. That make them more prone to stress. I think, yeah. And Lucas. Yes. So I grow up and also currently live in Germany, South Germany to be exactly. So all the area around Munich, and I think it's it's very different from it. Well, what means very different? It's different for me in the different states of life I had. So where I grew up, it was like a smaller village, and I think 
we haven't really talked about mental health. It was in a kind of different way. Um, it was a different approach. So I think it was also met. You also talked about, but different, not in the meaning like you see it on social media or now also we are talking about right now, but in a different way. And when growing up, that was all the time totally fine for me. And I never really recognized that. But uh, since I'm like, I'm living or like I, I went away for studying some some years ago and now living in a kind of bigger city with a lot of students around. And what you notice here is that people are talking about m mental health in a different way. So I don't know, they're uh, talking about it. They're really talking about each other. How are you? How are you feeling? What's your status right now? They really are interested in the, I would say not mental health of each other, but maybe in the mental health of each other and really want to know that. And that's a thing I, I don't know, I, I really didn't know that in, in the past, but maybe that's also a kind of like a classical cliche, cliche of, of man somehow, because like, usually we do not talk about that. And that's, well, that's, that's true. And also um, how I grow, grew up and it's still, I would say a new topic for me and also for my, for my surrounding, I would say of like for all the people around me so that's I think that's how I perceive mental health and I what I also notice is that over the recent years it's growing and growing and more people start about talking about it but also unfortunately more people have problems with it that's the reason why we have to talk about it and uh, that's that's what I noticed in my uh, within my surrounding and also within the, the places and the people I'm living with. Great. Those are some really good insights. And I do concur with a lot of them. Like, what, you know, there's some great points in there that I will indulge us in more. So firstly, uh, you know, Alicia said how in her part of the world, mental health is such a topic that nobody talks about. And Luke has also experienced something similar. So my experience has been very similar as well. I come from Kenya and in Kenya and my background is an, as an Indian. So um, in our communities and in our societies, we do not discuss mental health in as much as I am pretty sure at every stage in life, uh, every member of our families have faced something like that. Everyone in society have faced mental challenges and mental struggles, but we don't talk about it. So I did not grow up as well, thinking of this as something that's supposed to be openly discussed with people. And the bigger issue is, you know, like Lucas said, we always tell people, not just men and women, but everyone, like, just man up, you know, live through it. Uh, you just need more motivation to go on with it. Yeah. It's just a bad day. It's just a bad phase. And, you know, we expect people to sort of drill through that and ignore or do not seek help. And that's one element that I have experienced a lot. But having said that, what I have also noticed, because I had the opportunity to go study abroad, that it's a little different in other parts of the world. The Western world, I think, is a little more open in terms of the resources and the help that you can get when you're ready to talk about it. Uh, of course, there's still a struggle to get to the point where you talk about it. But after that, the resources are still more available. And more than that, I feel like our generation especially. So today, if I look at my friend circle within Kenya, uh, they're much more open to discuss mental health, you know, whether it's on social media, in group meetings, in person, in any sort of set setup. It's a topic that's becoming more and more prominent. And I personally feel that the youth is sort of championing the way to it. So I'd like to take your intake on this. You know, one of the bits was, how mental health was perceived before versus now. And Lucas, I'll pick on you with this. You said, you know, it's changed quite some. Do you have anything that, uh, you, you know, in your experience that you can say as a definitive moment where you recognize that the conversation has changed around mental health? I think so. Um, it was, it isn't too long ago. So I think it was the first time. So I, I, no, I noticed a lot of people struggling throughout my life and somehow they get along or they do not do not get along and I've really to be honest I I'm not sure if I noticed it in this at this point of my life but um, several years ago uh, a friend of me really got into struggles like she's she struggled or the person struggled with the mental health and uh, the person just went to a doctor or searched for help and she got help and uh, she really 
openly talked about and that's what for me was for for me this was a point where i noticed hey wow you can really talk about that and you also have seen or i've noticed like she, how she improved within all the uh, within time and how she improved herself and also like she did not only improve her improve herself she also improved like all the people around her because she really talked about it she talked about her problems she talked also about the solutions the, the solutions uh, she found and the solutions she uh, tried to find to to solve it and that was uh, i would say somehow a point where i noticed wow that's uh, really a topic you people are start talking about and like i, I think it at least for for me it was like this when you have this first point where you notice it then you see it from time to time everywhere around and somehow you think people are start talking about it every day um but i'm pretty sure they also started uh, they haven't started there they also did it in the past but i just didn't notice it so that was i would say a point where i noticed it awesome so uh, we as we were discussing um, you know, there are phases in life where we have said that mental health conversations before were not as open, but as a generation now it's changing. Did you have any like light moment in your life where you felt, oh, you know, mental health is now becoming a bigger topic in the world, etc.? Oh, yeah, definitely. So previously, I'm also the same, like where I'm not really aware of this kind of mental health. And personally, I don't really like know that this is like a really a big issue that people should focus on until at one point where I moved to Singapore and uh, I start to go around like for example like to the mall or where, or somewhere else and I start to see that people start to put like a poster or like a different kind of um, approach to actually promote like mental health like how they say like um, please uh like they're giving like a, a very good opinions or like suggestions on how to handle mental health. And from there, I actually, and even some of my, um, for, for my school club, they also actually propose some things that related to mental health. So from there, I actually realized that, oh, this is actually a really big issues that uh, people should uh, re- try to focus on right now. Awesome, yes. And I think uh, one thing that has sort of uh, come up in all three of our stories is moving beyond where we were before. So one of the aspects that I would highlight, obviously, is when I moved from Kenya to the UK or when Lucas moved from his small village to bigger cities and bigger spaces, same with Alicia, um, you'd get a change in environment or you're you know, put with people with different perspectives and different opinions and identities around how they vocalize uh, their struggles. And having that more multicultural or, uh, experience definitely helped me personally uh, realize that it's such a global issue and that in different parts, because we see it differently, but also it also gave me the confidence that if a conversation can start in one part of the world, it can trickle out around into different parts of the world as well. So that's something uh, I personally feel it had was my igniting moment, was even though I probably struggled with my mental health before university, I only sort of recognized it and was able to vocalize it at a point where I meant people who are actually more open about it and more supportive. Like Lucas said, there's more resources and you can get so much more self-help now. So the other topic I would want to pick up it on is something that Lucas said, you know, how uh, the conversation around mental health is very different for women and men. And from my personal experience, uh, women are allowed to show emotions, whereas we always, uh, you know, we tell men the only emotions they should have is like aggression or anger or, you know, machoism and those sort of things. So has there been in your experience a shift in, as we discuss as young people, mental health, is society becoming more welcoming towards having a broader spectrum of emotions for men, women, all genders as such? I think so. So I think the it's, it's a slow, it's going slow, but I think people are becoming more open to it and also like people are willing to accept that because I remember when I like I don't know you you always have that picture of a at least how I grew up that picture of a successful man who earns a lot of money has a big career I don't know has maybe uh, some some kids and all that stuff 
And I think that changed a lot in the recent 10 to 15 years, but uh, there are definitely still, uh, there's still some way to go to have, a, I don't know, to have an open discussion or to have open possibilities for everyone there. But I think the direction is changing. Um, well, I cannot really judge if it's becoming better for everyone because I think there's still a lot of um, ways and a lot of societies and groups where it's kind of difficult still and where it will be also difficult in the future. And I think the most important for me is, like what I notice personally, to not judge anybody else and also to see, hey, that's to, to become aware of that is that I think everybody has to be allowed to have their own pace in doing stuff. And there is no fast, there's no slow, there's no difference in, in between. You have to, you, you will have your own pace and you will have your own life. And um, that's what I noticed it, that is way more recognized or way more acceptable for everybody doing that than it was like maybe several years ago. But we also need to be honest, like, I don't know how it was 20 years ago because I was not that old or not old enough 20 years ago to perceive that. Um, but I think definitely there are changes. Um, but it's still, I think, a way to go until, and it needs time that every man and like, well, I can talk for men in, in, on this point that men will talk about that and that they are also used uh, to talk about it because I want to be honest, I, I'm not used to it. And I'm also often do not see the point why I should talk about some stuff, some feelings. I don't know, because it, it at some point it's just like, OK, why isn't it obvious or it does not make sense or I don't know. And I think maybe that will change in the future, but it, I think it's uh, long and it needs to be done step by step and it will it will take some some years and people growing up and the kids growing up today will definitely react in a different way than uh, kids did or like young people did 20, 30, 40 or 60 years ago. Uh, that's what I noticed. And I also see, as you said, maybe as an addition, there is a big difference in the continents. If you're talking, I don't know, with people from the US or from Canada, or if you're talking with people from, from Asia or maybe even from, from Eastern Europe and from Western Europe, there are differences. And uh, that's really interesting to see, but also uh, um, I'm, I'm really, it will be a really interesting topic for the future, how it will change. And I hope that we can have a discussion or like that all mankind or like all people in the world could have a discussion where it is fine for everybody to talk about whatever he wants or she wants that, uh, it is fine to talk about feelings, that it is fine to talk about anything you feel right now without getting charged or without getting attacked or I don't know. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, something that, you know, we're all hoping for. I get some keywords that I've picked from your conversation are, you know, working with empathy, looking at the world with empathy, giving people the time to go with their own pace and all. And so I want to throw out this question again is, you know, we talked about how our backgrounds were, what happened to us when we moved abroad to study, etc. How is mental health in the workspace? You know, how has your experience been about the conversations around it and the support in the various workplaces that you engage in? And I'll start with Alicia and then loop around. Uh, regarding the work workplace, since I'm still a university student, so maybe I probably say more on like a university sector. So. In university, like, I feel it depends on the country where you are. So I think for, because I'm moving to Singapore, it's more like an urbanized country. I feel like there's uh, people expectations towards you are getting higher. And I feel like the environment, especially like uh, if you're going in a good university, I think like there's a lot of pressure around you that um, that forcing you to actually uh, being a good uh, like being the best or like being a very good student and hence I think sometimes people tend to uh, ignore their own mental health or even sometimes they don't know that they're having a sign of a bad mental health because they're keep forcing themselves to actually meet people's expectations or or meet their environment uh, like meet to be in the same level as their environment 
and that's what I feel as a uh, as a university student and how it actually affects people's mental health. Awesome. And Lucas? I think for me it depends a little bit. So I can totally agree to what Alicia said in terms of university. I think that everybody wants to be the best, depending of course a little bit what you study, but especially in engineering or business backgrounds. What I noticed, everybody wants to have good grades, wants to have good internships, that they have a great job in the end. At least that's kind of the the bubble I noticed around me or the people noticed around me. But I also know that there are other people who who do not really focus on that that much. But if we are focusing on the engineering area, I think it is kind of like this. But as soon as I noticed, if we are talking about the... um, about the p- people starting work, starting work and uh, finding jobs and all of that, it becomes really, really important for people to have a work-life balance, to have like not the, I don't know, 60 hours consulting job with a lot of money, but more like uh, finding a good way in having a career, but also having enough time for yourself. And I've noticed that this is really, really important for our generation. And I've also talked to a lot of managers and to a lot of people who are, who are, are a lot of recruiters who are hiring people or a lot of people who are hiring people in companies. And that's what they definitely could confirm to me. And that's also what I noticed around with my friends that a lot of them are saying, yeah, hey, why should I work 10 hours more a week just to maybe have the chance of becoming, uh, have to work even 10 hours more in 10 years? Like having, I don't know, work 60 hours in 10 years and now work 10 hours more just to have the chance to work 60 hours in 10 years. I can also like just stay within my, I don't know, 40 hours and have a good balance in work and life and also find some activities and have the chance to have some activities in my private life. I think that's how it is at the moment in, in Germany a little bit. And also in, in Europe and also when I talked about the uh, with the people in Canada, um, I was in an exchange term in Canada some years ago, and that was the, the similar direction, I would I would say. Yeah, most definitely. I think, you know, the key element there, like you said, is prioritizing, and that is driven by your values a lot. A lot of students that go to university, um, they often prioritize getting good grades, you know, making sure you get a good CV, having so much to do. And I was, you know, the, um, the exhibit A, the prime example of that person who tried and ticked every box while not looking after my mental health. And I famously tell people how it's so bad that I only slept for like four hours every day for four years. So eventually I burnt out. Most definitely most of us do burn out. And now I call it sleep revenge because now I force myself uh, to take a gap year. And that led to actually sleeping more and more. So you know, there's always those signs that your body or your mental state gives you when something's not right. But like Lucas said, again, uh, it's about prioritizing at different stages in your life and knowing that if your priority was ex- at some point, it doesn't necessarily have to be that always. So when people move into different phases of their life, like when they start working, uh, you know, you have more flexibility in the sense of after a nine to five the remaining hours are yours. Whereas as a university student, it all sort of overlaps. You know, you don't know if you are allowed to do assignments on weekends or not, but you have a lot more control over your personal time. And that sort of does uh, give you good standing in terms of taking ownership of your mental well-being. And yeah, that trend actually, Lucas, not just in Europe or Canada, across the world, I think uh, a lot of people are now saying the same sort of things that which job gives me a better work-life balance because at the end of the day, money is not the only motivator or getting pizzas as work is not enough. So, you know, a hiring manager who would tell you things like uh, you can work from home on days that it's difficult for you to work, come to work. I'd like to work for someone like that or somebody who's actually understanding of the support that I need and tell me, OK, you know, you can come at seven in the morning and well as everyone else is coming at nine if you need to leave at three. So that flexibility uh, in workplaces definitely helps you prioritize your mental well-being and statistically if you look at it as well companies that are now focused on looking after their employees well-being actually have a better retention of employees Mm -hmm. even if other companies are offering them better wages your employee will stay with you because they feel a sense of belonging they feel they're supported their growth and uh, you know mental well-being is looked after most definitely 
And another key point that, you know, Alicia, you said is, uh, without diving too much into it, is about the imposter syndrome, right? When we go to universities or different workplaces, we want to put our best foot forward, but still we always end up feeling inadequate. So navigating imposter syndrome is something that's a big topic on its own. But really quickly, have there been moments in your lives where you felt like, you know, you are an imposter and how did you navigate that? How did you begin to pep talk yourself out of thinking that way? I think I ever encountered it during um, the transitions between my senior high school to the university life. So I still remember that that my environment that time, although they are not forcing me to be the best or like be the have a good future or that kind of stuff, but it's kind of implied. It's like more on the environment that implying that. I should be the one that they expect. Like, yeah, I should be the, I should be good enough for them so that I can make them proud, like that kind of stuff. So like, uh, I there's one time where I feel like I keep doing, like I keep trying to think about my futures and I try to um, thinking and then until one point where I feel like I'm a bit tired, that I'm too tired, but I feel like I shouldn't be tired because, um, because the world is expecting me to do more, yeah. But until one point where I feel like, uh, I'm getting, I can some come kind of like a burnout moment where I feels like I'm too tired of thinking, and I start to pause and think clearly, like whether is it. And then there's one point where I start to be unproductive, where when in my, even when I gather with my friends, I start to thinking about like, oh, am I really doing this right uh, am I gathering with them is it really productive for me and is it wasting my time and that kind of stuff which I feel like it's not health healthy at all yeah and I forcing myself I until one point I actually start to uh pause uh there's one point where I actually go to like a park where I uh, where I pause and I think clearly on is it actually really worth to doing like uh, to forcing myself and be and I even start to become more uh, become more unproductive compared to previously and at that point I, uh, and I feel like since then on I start to give myself a bit space for me to do what can motivate me more yeah uh, what about you Lucas any stories I, around imposter syndrome well maybe a little bit similar to Alicia it was also in my senior year, I got like my, my A-levels or Abitur, so the year before I went to university. And then I was also like sitting there and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm becoming a student. How is it even possible? I was like, uh, because I, I, I think I wasn't sure at this time how this should work. And I was like somehow confused. Okay, wow, that's, am I really able to do that? And I think that's the usual thoughts you have at times of transition in your life. And that's, I can totally relate to what Alicia said there. And what I did there was I talked a lot with people and that's also what helped me a lot during university and also during my life right now, talking with people. But also on the other hand, having uh, have, finding a way how you can spend time with yourself and think about the stuff you want to do, think about the stuff what's important for you and also find a way to prioritize the, the different things around for yourself. And that's what you said, Hemi, also that is important also in choosing a workplace or everything, anything else. And I think at this time it was, well, obviously I think I struggled a bit and I think that's what everybody is doing and we don't have to, uh, and that's totally fine. And it also, but it also helped me a lot struggling there to find a kind of like a, a compass and a direction where to head at and also to, get myself and for me some tools or some activities what that that I can do when I'm feeling like this and when I'm feeling not that good and when I'm feeling I cannot handle that I handle everything and that helps me now that helps me a lot right now and that helps me a lot during uh, every year since then because I just know okay well do I feel right I'm checking about uh, the, the different goals I have. I'm checking if I have goals. I'm checking if I'm feeling all right while doing it. And I think you had a, a great uh, 
a great point, Hemi, when you some minutes ago when you just said you want to if you get up and if you feel like wow I can do what I can do all the stuff I want to do this day, and I think that's a that's a good feeling and that's also what uh, what helps me a lot when I see okay it's it is like this then I know hey that's that's good and it's getting uh, I'm I'm having a good time, um, but yeah that's that was the time when I I think the transition transition times are always hard. Yeah, I think most definitely, and you know, I bang on believing uh, that uh, when we transition, there are so many aspects. Especially when you move from your house to living alone, for example, as uni students, there's cultural shock to deal with. There is new environment. Uh, you know, simple things like learning not to mix your colors and white clothes can be quite a life-changing, dramatic <laughs> oh, experience. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, those sort of things, and it can get overwhelming, especially because when we're younger. We're so used to people doing things for us and not even thinking twice about it. So you know, our priorities as high school kids was just study, have fun, you know, go out with friends. Your meal will always be ready. You know, your clothes are always ready for you. But when you move into the real adult life by yourself, ah, uh, you realize how much time it takes to cook, and you know how yes. uh, eating cereal is easier than eating like creating a good healthy meal. And so obviously, your physical well-being you also have to start consciously looking after it which in itself is a mental effort as well and you know rightfully so we all will have these transition periods at various points whether it's now or whether when we're getting jobs when we're getting you know in other parts of our personal lives when we get older when we retire you know all those aspects so transition periods are like uh, alicia said Uh, you know, you have to give yourself the benefit of doubt. You have to allow yourself to feel what you're feeling, and cut yourself slack. I think that's the main thing. As a generation, uh, we were, were, you know, especially I'd say for our. I don't know what gen we all would come in, but how I was raised mostly, or what I saw around is, you know, you're told to go in everything with grit. Always have grit. But sometimes you're allowed to feel, and you know, I call it marinating in my misery. And this is my rule: I allow myself one whole day. Whenever I'm really upset, I allow myself one day to marinate in my misery, even if that means literally doing absolutely nothing, watching TV the whole day, crying hours on end. But at the end of one day, I will re-audit my emotions, say, think about what's in my control, what's not in my control. And then whatever is not in my control, I allow myself to let go of that because there's nothing I can change about it. What's in my control is where I focus my energy, and that's one thing that really helped me navigate imposter syndrome. Because when I went to university, for me it was a very dramatic jump. Always feeling very incompetent compared to the rest of my class, uh, you know. And then you overcompensate because that's the kind of people we are. When you feel uh, You're not doing. You're not good enough. You start to overcompensate, which leads to burnout. So you know, like what you said, Lucas, as well. Have that balance when you recognize that you're reaching a point where you're burning out. Think of other things that you can do for yourself, whether it is spending time with yourself and your thoughts, or whether it is finding activities that work for you. So for me, it used to be maybe swimming, because I just love to swim and swim and swim. And obviously, there's a correlation between physical activity and mental well-being as well. So I will loop in back to you, Lucas, and say, what are some of the things that helped you cope with those days? You know, what did you do? Did you meet with friends? What did you do? There were several stu- uh, things I'm I'm doing usually, and I'm also doing if I'm not feeling that well. And definitely, running is one of them. So it helps me. Like I'm just doing it. I don't know two or three times a week. And I also notice like that's just a time where I can focus on stuff or like focus on nothing, just run and do nothing else. Or so like generally, sports helps a lot. Also playing soccer, and um, what also helps me is to have like kind of like when I notice things are getting busier and I somehow feel okay. Oh, to, the next week will be quite hard. I'm not sure if I can manage everything I want to do. Um, I'm trying to have a strict plan on it, but also. In the end, if I don't make it, and if I, I don't know, like I, there, there will be a day where I do not make everything I want. I planned at this day. It's fine. Like it was a plan. I tried it. I tried my best, and uh, it will be there. Even if I, at this point, think, oh, that was kind of critical that I didn't deliver. I don't know this, or that I didn't do this task. It will be good in the end because uh, somehow it will all will figure out, and that's what 
is important for me. And also I try another thing I try is I want to have fun while doing it. And I have goals and I want to reach that goals. And while reaching that goals, I want to have a good time because like, otherwise, if you're having goals in life and if you're just trying to tick them and, but don't having fun while doing it, then you probably have to change something because that's a direction where you will head in, in a way which does not really helps you becoming, staying healthy. And, um, so that's what I try to do. And of course, what is very important for me is meeting friends, going out with friends, talking with them. I don't know, going for a hike, going into the mountains, maybe going skiing in winter, or maybe just meeting friends and having a good time there while playing anything or while going out into, uh, into the city or something else. And that's, that's important to have like this, this balance in between working, but also not working and studying, but also sports. So to have like a, a overall package and there will be some stuff which I don't like and some tasks I don't like, but uh, usually I find a good way to fit them in and also to do everything and having and having the other activities I do like more, maybe after activities I do not like that much. Awesome. And Alicia, what are some of the things that you do for your well-being and, you know, to keep audit of how your emotions are going? Okay, so I am totally agree when uh, Lucas say that it's just fine if you don't meeting any, like, everything. So I feel like you should allow yourself to do mistakes. And how I manage this is actually quite similar to Hemi. So everything, okay, so for my, my case, right, there are some times where I feel like, um, so if, let's say, I did something wrong, I will get a lot of, uh, there's will, in my mind, right, there will be a lot of things that I think of, like, should I take this path or should I take the other path? Like, sometimes people can get stressed over it, like, cause like, you're not sure whether you're doing the right things or wrong. So what I usually did to keep my mental health well is like, I allow myself to, for example, like, I allow myself to take this one day to think of it, like, as much as I want. So I just think a lot of path, a lot of possibility and any other things. And after uh, and after that one day, by the end of the day, I should actually determine which path I want to choose. And if let's say that something getting wrong or like it doesn't really go well as what I expected, I'll just feel, I'll just allow myself to uh, say, uh, to learn from it instead of regretting it. That's what I allowing myself. But once I finish that day and the other day, there's no more regret on what I'm choosing. Yeah. And sometimes if, let's say, I feel demotivated also, right? What I usually did is, like, I like to hear a motivated song, like, something's, like, uh, like kind of a very hype song. Then, me personally, I'll try to sing it out to emphasize that, yeah, I'll do that way, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what I did. Love that. That's yeah. a great way. Music is great. <laughs> Yeah, just just like exercise, music, you know, it just releases these really happy hormones in us. And I think uh, connecting with the inner child, like I love that you dance around, you know, you let yourself feel the music and all. I think that that's really good because connecting with your inner child really helps you find internal joy. It's not validation that you're getting from outside. It's coming from within you. And that's really, really good for your mental health. Uh, one question that, you know, when I, especially as a young person myself, but also when I work with a lot of young people that comes up is in this day and age of social media, you know, you are seeing everyone live their best life, right? In as much as we are all aware that we're only showcasing the best aspects, no one's going on Instagram and saying, today, I just stayed in bed in my pajamas and ate cereal out of the, you know, out of the carton and I had a miserable day. How do you sort of, uh, you know, be still a part of social media without it allowing to affect yourself. So I'll give Alicia this one first because I feel like she has something to say about this. <laughs> so I kind of understand where it comes from, like how is the link between social media and how people anxiety right now. And, but I think this is, how peop- this is the way on how people view it. I think instead of people viewing it as a comparison, they should actually view it as something like inspirations, I think. So, okay, actually, I have one of my friend cases where she actually, uh, he actually got uh, some, uh, his mental health is not that good, and wh- but he managed to escape it. When I tried to ask him, like, how do you actually able to escape from it? It's like, it turns out that he said that social media is the one that helped him a lot. 
And I quite confused when he said that. And it turns out that uh, nowadays, because mental health awareness is getting increased, there's a lot of account in social media that actually promote uh, promote uh, mental health a lot. So he actually got to know a lot of fact in that social media that uh, that he couldn't think of when they when he is in the worst state. Yeah. So he actually that he could say that the social media actually enlightened him. Yeah. So I think on how people use the social media could actually really impact uh, impact on the people views on the mental health. Yeah. Awesome. Lucas. Oh, that's a that's a good point, Alicia. Um, I think for me, it's like you always see all the people on vacations and having their best life and all that stuff. And what helps me uh, is to kind of just calculate the numbers because if I'm thinking about like, I don't know, I'm pretty sure I have like, I'm going on vacation, I don't know, one, two, three times a year, maybe having some other great spots, which could be totally uh, social media suitable, even more often. And then I'm think, I think I follow like about 500 people on Instagram, for example. And uh, I'm seeing, I don't know, like 10 good stories each day, every day where I think, oh, that would be nice. I would love to do that right now. And then I'm just thinking, well, like 500 people, let's say five times, uh, everybody is posting a year. Then you have like 2,500 uh, posts and you see like four or five, you think, hey, that could be good. Yeah, it has to be. They're just doing the same as you. And they also have all the other days. And that actually helps me a lot in just um, recognizing, hey, that's fine. And also helps me that I can really value what they are doing and really be happy for them and say, hey, wow, great spot. Uh, how was it? And also like uh, feel connected to them and feel good for for all my fr- uh, for all the friends you, you have there. And uh, so that's the thing I do to not have a bad influence out of social media. And the other thing is, of course, uh, well, I use social media, but I think I use it not that much. So that helps me a lot also to to stay away sometimes when I really want to focus. I uh, last, I think two weeks ago, I tried to really, I, I wake up and usually like, you I don't know, you go on your phone, just check the messages, maybe the news and all that stuff. And uh, some weeks ago, I started again, just not doing that. Just like, I keep my phone, I, I wake up and just keep my phone beside the bed. And then somewhere in, during in the middle of the day, oh, I could have a look on my phone and I almost forgot it. And it was like, wow, that's that's a difference, definitely. Well, but obviously I don't want to do that every day because I am I love to have contact with all of my friends. and I love the possibilities we have with social media, but uh, sometimes it helps. So that's, but social media has a big impact and I really like the idea of having a, a good impact. And I also see that in uh, having people promoting uh, mental health and also sharing good ideas how they overcame some bad situations in their life yeah most definitely and you know i completely confer it's about uh, being again be it's the topic of being present and like lucas rightfully you know you're saying that recognize that they're as human as you and look at them individually rather than as a collective when i when you keep seeing oh today this person's on holiday and tomorrow that person's on holiday and you know uh, you are seeing it as like people are continuously on holidays as opposed to one person took one holiday a year. And when you give them the human factor and recognize that they have the hard days as well as the you know the good days, that really gives you a good reality check. And I love that story, Alicia. Most definitely, like uh, our perception needs to change instead of looking at people, uh, you know, uh, to not say very much enviously, but to look at people and go feel bad about yourself rather than seeing the only achievements. It's great to take an audit and look back at what did they do to get there, right? And take that mm-hmm. as a motivation. That's um, I think that's one of the advices I will take out of this podcast myself as well. And other than that is also, you know, like Lucas said, be your authentic self when you're out there. Uh, it's great to talk about the good things that have happened in your life, but sometimes you you know social media is a very powerful tool as, as well to talk about the not so great things that are happening in life. And you'd be surprised at how much support you can garner from people that genuinely care for you. And for me, that's something that you know most definitely is uh, one of my top tips: is have a good uh, you know uh, background support, a support system of the key people that you can go to what, no matter what part of the world they are in. And social media is a great tool because uh, I'm constantly sharing memes about mental health with my best friend and we banter about it a lot. But I know that at the same person I can go to to have a very serious conversation about mental health. 
And so because we're closing our time very soon, I want to throw in a very, very quick question in a minute. What are some of your key takeaways from today's podcast? And what is your one top tip for navigating your mental health? So key takeaways are for me that there are all the time good and bad sides that everybody has some struggles in their life and that's totally okay and normal. And if you are feeling not good, that's fine. But you can search help and ever and I'm pretty sure a lot of people around you and your friends and family will help you. And be yourself and be empathic with yourself. Powerful. Alicia? Uh, I think one of my key takeaways is like, I feel like everyone has their own own stress or, or own bad mental health, mental health or not a really in the greatest mental health state uh, in their life as well as the way on how they manage it is also depends on the person as well but you need to I think the person need to find how they could actually manage it like they should know like they maybe they can start from to know like what they really likes and how they could actually handle it Perfect. Yeah. Same like you guys. I definitely think my key takeaway from today would be, you know, going in without judgment, being very empathetic to people, being your authentic self. And what I have most definitely learned, uh, you know, just from our discussion, we are three people and we've recognized that across the world, we're not the only ones with such a struggle. So imagine if we empathetically move across the world, supporting each other, the conversation about mental health and about our well-being can definitely change. But more importantly than that, we can have a support system of young people and old people and all types of people across the world that can help each other navigate these throughout life. Because, uh, you know, wisdom, I always believe uh, it becomes more worthy as we share it. So I'm really glad. I'm so thankful to both of you for coming in today and sharing with us your experiences, your wisdom, most definitely. And for, you know, all the people listening to us today, I'm really hopeful that our conversation has, uh, if nothing, given you some hope that this is a hard time, but it's not the only thing. Um, my favorite quote that I learned during my mental health struggle was, you might fail at this, but you might you will never fail at life. And that's something that I love to tell young people is don't look at your mental health struggle as the defining moment in your life. Uh, just you know, look at the things that matter to you and where you want to be. And that will continue to take you through. So thank you once again. And we hope that this has motivated young people to talk more about this, to make this a less taboo topic. And if anyone has more questions about this topic, feel free to reach us out on social media. And if you want us to discuss more about uh, mental health and well-being, let us know. And that could be our ne- next podcast episode. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.